Hi, and welcome to the Visual Politic Podcast. I am your host, Simon Whistler. In this one, we are, we've got the audio version of a video that originally aired back in March, the 31st of March, 2019. The title of the video was, Why Did Pope Francis Visit Abu Dhabi? We're kind of, you know, uh, looking at the intersection of Islam and Christianity in this one and the various complications that come with that and of course the Pope's visit. It's right there in the title. So I'm going to be jumping in from the future as I always do and explaining any charts or translations or anything like that. So I'll jump in during the episode as necessary and let's get into it. Religion and politics always go together in the Arabian Peninsula, the birthplace of Islam. Every year, over two million Muslim pilgrims go to Saudi Arabia to visit Mecca. And in neighboring Abu Dhabi, you will find the most modern architecture combined with the most ancient traditions. In this part of the planet, Islam is the law. Nonetheless, what if I tell you that this area of the planet is the one with the fastest growing Christian population? really not kidding here. While Europe is caring less and less about the Catholic Church, here at the core of the Islamic world, we have the fastest growing Catholic population. So how is that even possible? What on earth happened to make Pope Francis make an official visit to Abu Dhabi? Times are a-changing, or maybe not so much. In this video, we're going to tell you that story. It doesn't matter if you're Catholic or not, everybody has heard of the Pope. And Pope Francis has the most followers in the most unexpected places. Because, let's be honest here, Catholicism is not having its best moment in either Europe or Latin America. So you might ask, well, where are they having a bigger presence then? Well, that would actually be the Arabian Peninsula. Countries like Saudi Arabia, Qatar, and the United Arab Emirates have more and more Catholics. And I know what you're thinking, I mean, how is that even possible? I mean, we probably all know that Qatar and the United Arab Emirates have allowed Catholics to build their own churches, but just look at the Abu Dhabi Cathedral. Notice anything funny about it? Well, there are no crosses whatsoever. The truth is, in this country, you can go to Mass, but you can't evangelize. And if you're a Muslim and you happen to convert to Christianity, watch out, because that's a crime. As you can imagine, the growth of Catholicism in this part of the world is explained by one word, and pretty much one word only, and that's immigration. If you've been following this channel for a while, you already know that the all-rich Arabian monarchies have more immigrants than they do locals. In places like Qatar and the UAE, the foreign-born population makes up more than 80% of the total. And of course, most of those immigrants, they're Muslim. They come from countries like Bangladesh and Pakistan. But you also have a lot of Americans and a lot of Filipinos who are Catholic. And this explains news like this. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People visit 
Pope Francis lands in Abu Dhabi for historic first Gulf trip. Yep, you heard that right. For the first time in history, a pope has visited the Arabian Peninsula. And this was not a small visit. More than 180,000 people attended his mass. To put this in context, that's more than twice the number of people who went to his latest mass in Chile, a Catholic country. In other words, Catholicism is a bigger deal than you'd expect in Arab countries. So now you might be wondering, well, why did the Abu Dhabi authorities allow such an event in their country? Why did the pope get to go there? I mean, I mean, was this a strategic move? What does Pope Francis want to achieve with this? Well, today we're going to answer all of those questions, but before we do, let's take a look back at the history. Facta non verba. Pope Francis is the leader of three organizations at the same time. On the one hand, he is the head of the Catholic Church. That is a religious role that we're not going to get into because this is a channel about politics and not religion. But do not worry because the Pope has two other political jobs. First, he's the head of the world's smallest state, Vatican City. And on top of that, he's also the head of the Holy See. And oh boy, Vatican City might be a really tiny nation, but the diplomatic influence of the Holy See is really big. They have embassies in almost all of the world's countries and they've played a major role throughout history. For example, Pope John Paul II was a key player in the fight against communism in both Poland and in the Soviet Union. And he also lobbied against the invasion of Iraq. His successor, Benefit XVI, was far less political. His legacy focused on theology and philosophical essays. But the current pope, Pope Francis, he's far more political than the other two. Then this is why he's quite so controversial. To some, he's an evil communist. To others, he is the champion of dignity and human rights. He's a man who speaks up clearly against capitalism. From MSNBC. Pope Francis on economic inequality. Such an economy kills. If Jesus Christ liked to talk in parables, Pope Francis likes a more straightforward style. Look at his tough words to Donald Trump. From the Washington Post. Donald Trump is, quote, not Christian if he wants to build a border wall. But as they say in Latin, facta non verba, which means acts, not words. If we look at the facts, we discover a totally different pope. Actually, he has more in common with Donald Trump than he might think. If Trump summarized his political views with the motto, America first, we can summarize Pope Francis's views as Catholic first. And I know this doesn't sound very spiritual, but we could compare the Catholic Church to a multinational corporation with presences all over the world. In this light, Catholicism is losing ground in their traditional markets. The number of believers in Europe is getting smaller and smaller, and in Latin America, they're in fierce competition with the evangelical churches. So the new Vatican administrative board, they've got a clear strategy. Find new markets. One of those markets is China. For decades, Catholicism was forbidden there. But as you know, the Chinese Communist Party, they're very creative. So instead of fully banning religion, what they did was create a fake copy of Catholicism. It's a religion that's the same in every way to the real thing, but there's one exception. Bishops were not appointed by the Vatican, but by the Communist Party. And of course, those Catholics who kept their loyalty to the Pope of Rome, they were sent to concentration camps where they were tortured, and even worse, they had their organs removed for the Chinese transplant system. In this situation, a pope like John Paul II would have surely adopted a confrontational position. But Pope Francis knows how to apply the art of the deal better than Donald Trump himself. So, well, 
What did he do? Well, this is where the Chinese transplant system comes into play. For years, China has been taking organs from political prisoners for their transplants. This is called organ harvesting. As you can imagine, there is all kinds of pressure from international organizations across the world to stop this massacre. Meanwhile, China denies all of the accusations, despite all of the evidence that shows otherwise. They even have a doctor who tries to go to all of the international conferences to pitch the official Chinese narrative. No country accepts him as a speaker, of course, because they don't want to listen to his propaganda. No country, that is, except for the Vatican. The Vatican was the first and only country outside of China that allowed this doctor to participate in an event and sell his story. He was able to pitch the peerless advantages of the Chinese transplant system to the whole world. The one system that miraculously confined organs in just a matter of days, a system that of course meets all of the human rights standards and all of that stuff. Because, well, I mean, when has China ever exploited human rights before? Everybody knows that the Chinese Communist Party is the biggest fan of democracy, human rights, and all of that jolly good stuff, right? Look, needless to say, this Vatican conference, it raised a lot of criticism all over the world. But just a couple of months later, Pope Francis, he got what he wanted. From the New York Times. China and Vatican reach deal on appointment of bishops. There you go, man. Just one diplomatic gamble and boom, the Catholic Church now has got 12 million more followers. With this alone, they've already compensated for the lack of new converts in a country like Spain. So where does the Pope go now? Well, exactly, that's the Arab world. While Benedict XVI openly criticized Islam, Pope Francis has made a dramatic shift. For example, do you remember the Charlie Hebdo terrorist attacks? All of the world leaders were condemning them without reservation. But in this situation, the normally straight talk in Francis, he turned to parables for once. From La Nation. You can't insult other people's faith. For example, if Dr. Gasbari says a bad word against my mother, he can expect me to punch him in the face. This is normal. Pope Francis. It's a big statement, isn't it? But the goodwill gestures towards Islam, they do not stop here. Here's another example. <laughs> In this picture, we can see Pope Francis and the Grand Imam of Al-Azhar, one of the biggest representatives of Sunni Islam. They are together calling upon everybody to build a more tolerant world with less violence. And now you might be wondering, well, why this strategy? What does the Pope want to achieve here? Well, let's have a look, shall we? slavery. Pope Francis is Argentinian of Italian descent. His family were immigrants who came to Argentina looking for a better life. And you know where we have a lot of immigrants now? Well, yeah, once again, that's the Arabian Peninsula. But look, not all of those immigrants are born equal. Cynical as it sounds, we should make a distinction. On the one hand, you have the expats, and on the other hand, you have the immigrants. An expat might be an American who comes to Abu Dhabi to work for ExxonMobil with a six-figure salary. An immigrant, on the other hand, is a Filipino who shares a room with 10 other people, works 12-hour shifts, and has a miserable salary. Most of these immigrants, they work in construction or they clean houses. Their families are usually back in their country of origin and they send them money regularly. And many of you might be thinking right now, well, okay, Simon, but don't exaggerate. If they don't like their working conditions, they can always go home, right? Well, actually, it's not that easy. You see, here in the Arabian Peninsula, there's a system called the kafala. Thank you. 
According to Kafala, immigrants are linked to a local called the patron. If you want to change your job, you gotta ask your patron for permission. You wanna work for another company? Ask your patron. Want to leave the country and go back to your homelands? Well, yeah. Once again, you gotta check with your patron. And if you don't get that permission, then you gotta keep living in the country, essentially working as a slave. So while in the United Arab Emirates alone, there are more than one million Catholics who live under these conditions. Most of them come from the Philippines and some parts of India. And as you can imagine, in such a desperate situation, many people stick to their faith more than ever. Nevertheless, despite these slave-like conditions, these workers are crucial to the economy. Who else is gonna build the skyscrapers? In other words, building a cathedral in Abu Dhabi is a cheap way to keep these workers moderately happy. They might be exploited, but at least they've got a place to pray. And you might now be wondering, well, how is it possible that the authorities of these countries, being such Islamic hardliners, would allow them to build a cathedral? Well, dear viewers, the enemies of Arab monarchies are neither Christians nor Hindus. The main enemies of Arab monarchies are other Muslims. For example, the Muslim Brotherhood. Think about it. Which is more dangerous for an emir? The Philippine immigrants praying inside of a cathedral, or the Muslim Brotherhood who, who claim no loyalty to anything other than the Quran? The answer is pretty obvious. This is why in the UAE they have better things to do than persecuting Christians. Which this is why they're so tolerant, but remember there's that tolerance, but they're also violating their human rights systematically. And this, this is where Pope Francis enters the picture. Pope in Abu Dhabi. All right, so I can probably guess what you're thinking. It's okay for them to build a church in Abu Dhabi, but I mean, a papal visit, that's eh, sort of a different thing, isn't it? Well, truth be told, this is actually great for Abu Dhabi. For one, they improve their outside image. All of a sudden, a country that was associated with religious fanaticism is hosting the leader of another religion. Who could say that they're fanatics now? But that's not all. With a little effort, Abu Dhabi's government has given a great gift to those Catholic immigrants. The visit is good news, both for those Filipinos working for pennies and also the expats with their six-figure salaries. In the end, everyone's happy. But the question is, what does the Pope want to achieve with this? Well, think about it. Pope Francis came here to a place where evangelizing is forbidden, and then he organized the Mother of All Masses. <laughs> 180,000 people and this amazing cross that you could see from everywhere in Abu Dhabi. This is raising the bar. Now they've set a big precedent for a would-be change in Arab legislation. And this explains why the vicar apostolic in Arabia, Paul Hinder, said all of these beautiful things about the government of the UAE. Pray for the rulers of this country who make it possible. I thank the UAE government for their generosity. Not only have they made this visit possible, but have wholeheartedly given us a venue to celebrate mass. And what about Pope Francis? Yes, he was hard on Donald Trump, but when it comes to the Abu Dhabi authorities, he didn't have a word to say about Kafala or the war in Yemen. In fact, this is what he said. <laughs> Your country is a land that wants to be a model of coexistence, human brotherhood, and gathering of different cultures and civilizations. After these gestures, it wouldn't be hard to imagine the United Arab Emirates lifting their ban on other religions, or at least on Catholicism. This would be a giant step for the church in a market yet to be tapped.
So I really hope you enjoyed that episode of the Visual Politics Podcast. This was a audio version of a video that originally aired on our YouTube channel. If you want to go check that YouTube channel out, you just need to search on YouTube Visual Politic with a K. So P-O-L-I, uh, P-O-L-T-I-K. Should know how to spell that. Uh, yeah, leave us a review, all of that good stuff, and I'll see you in the next episode.